All right, well, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we thank you for a new day, Lord. The earth is yours in all its fullness, Lord. And this is the day that you have made, and for that reason alone, we can rejoice and be glad in it, God, because you've given us this day. You have a purpose, you have a plan. Whether we see it with our eyes or not, whether we comprehend it with our minds, you have a purpose and a plan for each and every day. You, you, your plan continues to unfold, Lord, in this world. Right now, Lord, we're just passing through for a period of time, Lord, but we take this time that we have here this morning to just pause and to read your word, to study your word, to ask of you that we would hear from your Holy Spirit that you would teach us, counsel us, comfort us, whatever's needed, God. You look upon our hearts, you see as we don't see in one another, Lord, but you see within us. And we just acknowledge your presence here. We thank you for your faithfulness, your goodness. And we ask your blessing upon this time in your word now, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, we continue to take a stroll through the pages of the book of Matthew, so please go ahead and open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3. As we look at Matthew chapter 3, we'll see that uh, some time has passed since our last study where we saw in Matthew chapter 2 that Jesus was a child. Uh, His family is now living in the city of Nazareth in the region of Galilee. So again, just to recap, Jesus was born in Bethlehem, moved to Egypt, and then to the city of Nazareth where he would grow up. Uh, At this point in our study of Matthew, Jesus is now 30 years old. Now, Matthew himself does not give us that detail. However, over in the book of Luke, Luke chapter 3, Luke tells us that Jesus was 30 years old at this point in time when John the Baptist was on the scene and baptizing. So Matthew, in his coverage of the life of Jesus, he skips over at least 28 years of time from when the wise men visited Jesus as a child in his home with Mary and Joseph. Luke, in his writings, mentions the whereabouts of Jesus when he was 12 years old, but then Luke skips over about 18 years of the life of Jesus and picks it up again when Jesus was 30 years old as well, as does Matthew. It's important to keep in mind that as you read the New Testament and see the writings of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they were not writing a biography about the life of Jesus Christ. So they weren't covering every detail of Jesus' life, but rather what they were writing was a gospel, a story of the good news of Jesus Christ. So don't concern yourself with the missing content of the life of Jesus. Instead, Concern yourself with what we do have written about Jesus, because that is what God wants us to know. What is written is what God wants us to know. And in every gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, 
all four of them mention the story of John the Baptist. He is, a, he is an important part of the gospel message. John the Baptist was prophesied of on a couple of occasions in the Old Testament books. In Isaiah chapter 40, it speaks of the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, which we'll find a reference to, we find that it is a reference to John the Baptist, right? Then again in Malachi chapter 3 and verse 1, there is a prophecy that says, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. So, again, just keep in mind that John is a very important figure in the message of the gospel. And starting in verse 1 of Matthew chapter 3 here, it says, In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now here we see uh, for the first time the words kingdom of heaven. This is a term only used in the gospel of Matthew. We find in scripture that as Matthew uses the, the words or the term kingdom of heaven, it is equivalent to the words kingdom of God that we find elsewhere in the gospels. Jesus himself use these terms interchangeably in Matthew chapter 19 when he said to his disciples, Assuredly I say to you that it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And again I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. So you see Jesus uses both the terms meaning the same thing. Kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God are speaking of one and the same thing. So there in verse 2, we see John the Baptist saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We know, too, that Jesus also preached the same message, because in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1 and verse 15, Jesus said, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So Jesus said, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. And John said, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So again, it's one and the same message. Now, the word kingdom speaks of, of course, the domain of a king. We get the kingdom, right? A king's domain. Okay? So that's what the word kingdom speaks of, the domain of a king. A king has subjects in his kingdom. That is, those that are to submit to the king's authority. God has established a domain on earth. His kingdom has come. Jesus is the king of the kingdom, and we are his subjects. This is the kingdom of the Son of God. Jesus will now rule over the kingdom of God, which we either are a part of by faith or through the rejection of Jesus Christ, we are outside of the kingdom of God. Okay? The kingdom is entered into, first of all, through repentance. Again, this is the message that John is preaching, the same message that Jesus preached 
the kingdom is at hand, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, what, what's one to do? What does one need to do? Repent. One must first turn from their sin, and as an expression of this decision, they are baptized. Never underestimate the biblical importance of baptism, but equally important, never underestimate the importance of repentance from sin. You see, Satan has a domain as well. John 12, 31 calls Satan the ruler of this world, as does 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4. But the gospel, the good news is this, right? Colossians chapter 1 and verse 13 and 14, speaking of Jesus, says that he has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of his son, of the son of his love, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. So Satan has been allowed a certain domain, a domain of temptation in a world where man, we, mankind, we possess a free will or a freedom of choice to choose who we will serve, right? And we must stop and ask ourselves, which kingdom are we subjects of today? Which kingdom do we serve today? The kingdoms of this Satan-influenced world or the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God? Do you live a life that shows you have repented of sin and are therefore daily led by the Spirit? Or does your life indicate that you are still in sin, led by your fleshly desires, and therefore still in the kingdom of darkness? Again, I'll read Colossians 1.13 to you again that says that Jesus has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us, or God has, right, into the kingdom of the Son of of his love. And verse 3 continues and says uh, again of John the Baptist here in Matthew, right? For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make straight, make his path straight. Now, I mentioned earlier that Isaiah prophesied of John the Baptist. And Matthew here is quoting from Isaiah chapter 40. You know, at one time, the children of Israel were in the wilderness, both in a literal sense and, and, and a figurative sense. That is, they were not in a fruitful place, you know, obedient to God, right? And as I apply this to life today, I think of it in a spiritual sense as well. We can live our spiritual lives today in a dry and a barren place, a wilderness, or we can live in Christ in a fruitful abundance. Remember, Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. Again, we've been delivered from a dry and dead place in, into the glorious kingdom of God. God in His love has delivered us from one place to another. 
in the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, we are now His own special people. And in this kingdom, we are now to proclaim the praises of Him who called us out of darkness and into His marvelous light. I'm quoting to you there from 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. Jesus has delivered us, and we should no longer choose to walk in darkness or in a barrenness or in a wilderness, right? And again, John the Baptist was very important figure in, in all of God's plan. And he, we see what he's doing here. Turn with me now in your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1. Just two books to the right of Matthew here. Luke chapter 1. And... Um, I want us to learn a little bit more here about John the Baptist, okay? Now, I'm not going to get into the whole story here, but John the Baptist's father had become mute as a result of not believing that God could give him and his wife a child at such an old age. And looking down now at verse 59, again, there's more of a backstory to this, but looking down at verse 59 of Luke chapter 1. Speaking of John as a baby, it says here, So it was on the eighth day that they came to circumcise the child, and they would have called him by the name of his father, Zacharias. His mother answered and said, No, he shall be called John. But they said to her, There is no one among your relatives who is called by this name. So they made signs to his father, what he would have him called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, saying, His name is John. So they all marveled. Immediately his mouth was open and his tongue loosed, and he spoke, praising God. Then fear came on all who dwelt around them, and all these sayings were discussed throughout all the hill country of Judea. And all those who heard them kept them in their hearts, saying, What kind of child will this be? And the hand of the Lord was with him. Now his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. And he has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets, who have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham, to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. Okay, now pause here for a minute because Zacharias, the father of John, 
the Baptist is prophesying here. He is speaking of the salvation, the redemption that is to come. He's prophesying of this, that, and we know it comes in Jesus Christ, right? And when that, when that salvation comes, when that redemption takes place, then we are to live as it says here in verse 75. We are to live in holiness, in righteousness, before Him all the days of our life. That's how we are to live when that salvation comes. Again, we've been redeemed out of darkness and into His marvelous light. And we are to live as if that indeed is the case. That's how we are to live. And as I've stated, the role of John the Baptist was an extremely important one in the message of the gospel. His message was repentance. And his father now speaks to him in verse 76 and says, And you, child, will be called the prophet of the highest, for you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins. Through the tender mercy of our God, with which the day spring from on high has visited us, to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. So the child grew and became strong in spirit and was in the deserts till the day of his manifestation to Israel. And flipping back now, again, I want us to see a little bit more about John there. And flipping back now to Matthew chapter 3, and we pick it up in verse 4, it says, And John himself was clothed in camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. So John the Baptist represents this wilderness life, right? The way to come out of the wilderness life and into a fruitful and abundant life is to repent of sin, repent of a sin-led life, right? And come into a new life in Christ Jesus. Again, this is represented in the waters of baptism. But we don't come to the waters of baptism unless we are willing to repent, to die to our old nature, and then to be born again to a new nature in Jesus Christ. This is what John represented in the plan of God. Again, John is a very important part of the message of the gospel. And verse 5 continues and says, Then Jerusalem, all Judea, and all the region around the Jordan went out to him and were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. I think that that is a very important step that is overlooked in the baptisms of today. The confessing of sins. You bring it out in the open because you're not going to continue in your willful sins any longer. Instead, we are now choosing to live as we read in Luke 175, right? Where now when a person comes to baptism, they're confessing their sins and they're now coming to that place where they're choosing to live in holiness and righteousness 
before him all the days of our life. Look, folks, there's been a false gospel preached, and it's been prevalent for many years now. It's a greasy grace gospel, a gospel that says you can be saved but still keep living in your willful sin. This is a false doctrine that in so many ways has rendered Christianity powerless and hypocritical. And it's important that we evaluate ourselves as to whether we are choosing to live in holiness and righteousness before Him all the days of our lives, right? We have to evaluate ourselves in this. Because remember, true grace, as as Titus 2, 11 and 12 states, true, ga- true grace teaches us to deny ungodliness and worldly lusts, right? And to live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. That's the person that has been saved by grace. Not the person that continues in willful sin, but the person that has been taught by grace to live righteously to live soberly, to live godly in this present age, right? We are to walk in holiness and righteousness before Him all the days of our lives as John's father, Zacharias, prophesied and said, right? So all kinds of people here, as we're reading in Matthew, right? All kinds of people are choosing to come to John and be baptized. And then verse 7 continues and says, But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, Brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance. Do you see the theme here this morning? Repent. Bear fruits worthy of repentance. Live in righteousness. Live in holiness. Live in godliness, right? But there's a key statement of John's right there. A person truly coming to Christ is a person that is willing to bear fruits or yield fruits in their lives worthy of repentance. You are committing to change when you come to Christ. Again, when they came to be baptized, they were confessing sin. They were saying, we don't want this life any longer. We want the salvation that is to come. We want this. And this is what John was born for. This is what John was born to preach, to prepare the way, right? So a person that is preparing their hearts to come to Christ, a person that truly is, is going to confess their sin, and they're going to turn from their sin, and they're going to hate the sin that they once walked in, and they're now going to choose to walk in righteousness. John is pointing out to these Pharisees and Sadducees that this has nothing to do with Religion. This has nothing to do with Christ plus anything else, right? This is all about being sold out to Jesus. Look what he says in verse 9. And do not think to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. You know, somebody could say today, well, I grew up in, and I won't name names, right? But I grew up in XYZ church. I grew up as this faith. I grew up as that, whatever it might be. They might put that in there, right? But John tells these Pharisees and these Sadducees, For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. And even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, so the axe, think about that. The axe is laid to the root of the trees. In other words, it's right there, ready to chop. 
ready to chop these trees down. What trees? Well, therefore, every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown in the fire. He says, I indeed baptize you with water to, unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. So again, do you see the seriousness here of this decision to repent and be baptized? John's questioning these Pharisees and Sadducees. Do you know what this is all about? You brood of vipers, right? Do you understand what this is about? Right? It's a burning away of everything else that you've ever held dear in life. Whether it was your religion, your faith, whatever you call it, whatever it was, when you come to Christ, it's everything else is gone your sin, whatever, it's all, it, it all has to be repented of, right? The way your dad did things, the way your mom did things, your family traditions, the church you may have grown up in, nothing else no longer matters when you come to Christ. And this choice that you are now making now demands that you are now going to seek to walk in righteousness and holiness. And when you have made that choice, you can then be baptized, but also Jesus will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. Look at the verbiage um, used there in verse 10 again. I want to read that again where it says, And even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So do you think that God wants us to take this seriously? Does how you live really matter? Or does being saved by grace just means you have a license to sin? I'm fully persuaded from the scriptures that it does matter how you live. It does matter that we produce good fruit. Verse 13, Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And are you coming to me? Isn't that something how John's whole life was dedicated to one cause, but yet he knew that there was still something that he needed. There was something that he was missing. I believe that every time we come together on a Sunday morning to study the Word of God or every time that you pick up your Bible in your own home, we should come realize that they're realizing that there is still something that we need. Every day, every day we should be taking up the cross. We should be dying to ourselves and we should be seeking, you know, earnestly seeking to be led by his spirit. John was chosen from birth to fulfill this role in life, but yet he was not complete without Christ. But what had to be done had to be done. And verse 15 says, But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. So Jesus is calling his baptism here a fulfillment of righteousness. 
Now, of course, Jesus had nothing to repent of. He had no sin to confess in his baptism, in this baptism, right? But yet still, Jesus knew that baptism was something that he had to fulfill himself. You see, the baptism of Jesus was very, very different than all the other baptisms that John had performed previously. What's the difference? Well, look at verse 16. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. And behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. So there's the difference. This, of course, happened to no one else that John baptized previously, right? Jesus is the fulfillment of all righteousness. Jesus is the only begotten Son of God in whom God is well pleased. It is important for us to repent of our sin and to be baptized. Again, we must not overlook the importance of baptism. But it is also of the utmost importance that we be baptized in the Holy Spirit, which comes from Jesus Himself. Water baptism is not the end-all, be-all. Water baptism is only the starting point. Jesus is the fulfillment of all righteousness. You know, it would have been very easy for every one of those people baptized by John in the wilderness to simply go ahead and just remain in their wilderness. In other words, remain in their sin. They could have confessed their sin, be baptized in water, but then they could have just chosen to remain going back to the life that they had in the wilderness, right? They could have, conf- right? They, ne- they could have never come into the fruitful place that Christ has for the subjects of his kingdom those that are in his kingdom. But there is something more that Jesus has for the person that has repented of their sin and been baptized. He has the Holy Spirit to give us, to empower us, to live for him and to lead us out of a barren wilderness and into his fruitful kingdom. Do you feel like you're walking in the land of his fruitful kingdom? Remember, His Spirit yields fruit within us, right? It's called the fruit of the Spirit. So do you find that you are filled with love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control? Do these things rule and reign in your life today? Do you know where the fruit of the Spirit is? is found? Let me show you real quickly. Turn to the book of Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5 and look at verse 9. It's a it's a parenthesis verse, right? We see that it says, For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. So that's where the fruit of the Spirit is. In all goodness, righteousness, and truth. So if you're not doing good, if you're not walking in righteousness, if you're not walking in truth, then you will never know the fruit of the Spirit. 
because that's where it is, in goodness, righteousness, and truth. So again, we've been called out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of His marvelous light, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. Jesus is the king of the kingdom. And we are his subjects, his servants. But are we really living like that is so? If not, we need to come out of the wilderness and be baptized in his spirit. Seek the Lord for the power of his Holy Spirit that we might be servants in his kingdom, that we might serve him with all of our heart, that we might love him in that manner, that we might live every day desiring to walk in holiness and in righteousness, just as Zacharias prophesied would happen when salvation comes. So it's important that we take the doctrines of today, the scriptural teachings of today, including this one, and we take them and we hold them up to the light of the truth of the word. And we be careful that we've not just heard something so many times that it's become truth, but yet it's far from the truth of the gospel because it's a different gospel. And we have to be careful. It's easy for us to say, oh, well, this church over here preaches a false gospel, a different gospel, right? Well, could it be that Maybe the teachings that we've heard don't line up with the Word of God too sometimes. It's important that we check it. And it's important that we come out of the wilderness, that dry and weary land. We need to come out of that and walk in the abundance and walk in a manner that God desires for us and that God has designed for us to walk in, in the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of heaven. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, again we thank you for the opportunity to gather around your word, the opportunity to come together. I pray for those that are listening to this teaching via the internet somehow, God, that by your spirit you will work in their hearts and in their minds, God. Again, you know you know each and every one of us, Lord. You know what's going on in our hearts and minds. You know the truth even things that we don't know about ourselves or things that we don't see, God. We need to be cleansed. We, we need things burnt away within us by your Holy Spirit, for our God is a consuming fire. And I pray, Lord, starting with myself, God, that, that we all, Lord, would just continue to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of you, Lord, that we would shun this world more and more, love this world less and less, God, and and desire to know you and desire to walk in righteousness and holiness more and more. Thank you for your love in our lives, your grace, your long-suffering, Lord, your mercy. We thank you again for this time together in your word. In Jesus' name, amen.